the other okay. guy on Rob Rossi there. is Rob Rossi. And, and, you, and you're on the Rocker Mike and Rob Presents show. And I just want to thank you for coming on. Uh, we're real excited about, about this interview. We've been thinking about it for a couple of weeks now. I and, am. Uh, I am. I'm ready. ready I'm ready for you guys. What up, guys? Can I just okay, say great, this? Great. Freddie, you're a hell of a fucking guitarist. Oh, thanks, brother. I appreciate that. Like, let me tell you, I watched that concert, the, um, yeah, the that's online true. concert. Phenomenal. You're a, you're a fucking beast. Oh, <laughs> I appreciate it. That show had its <laughs> moments for sure, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. Well, it's great that, you know, yeah. it's this big official release, right? Yeah, now. doing We're well. Talk about uh, that. Uh, very well. And uh, it was presented to me um, probably about a year. It took me a year to get this whole thing together, presented out of Germany. And um, wow. <laughs> it finally came together after I was able to contact everybody and this and that. So. Okay. All right. All right. So let's start. Uh, do the Rob, intro, man. Do the got, like, this, guy's a, this guy's an icon. This guy's a legend. Let's just introduce him. Let's get the show started. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, okay, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Rocker Mike and Rob Presents show. I'm Rocker Mike. And today we have a fantastic special guest, uh, Mr. Freddie Salem, yeah. uh, former guitarist for the Outlaws. Uh, he, he, yeah, Southern rock band, the outlaws. And he has an amazing history. here. He just, it just wasn't the outlaws. We're going to talk about a bunch of things. This man's been involved with, he's been involved with a lot of bands. And he's also today, um, we're going to talk about a new release, uh, by the outlaws. It was them playing in Germany live at rock palast in 1981. It's a CD and DVD set that's coming out. And we're going to get to that a little bit later. But, Freddie, thank you for coming on. And uh, you're ready to do a little like... Oh, you, know, you guys are the best. I'm telling you. Yes. I'm ready to do it. <laughs> Where are you guys located? Where are you? You're in the city, all oh, by second. New York City. I'm in I fear and loathing in Los Angeles. And, uh... Oh, <laughs> but we're in the East Village. Wow, like, wow. There used to be a lot where of you from? Music, where you... a lot of stuff out here. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I lived in the city for twenty years, and uh, uh, but I wow work. I still go there to work in session, and uh, it's my favorite town. Don't tell anybody in Los Angeles, but uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, no. Well, it's it's still it's it's still fun know, city, well, all a little it. bit despite mm-hmm. the problems, but uh, you know, yep, yep. Well, I'm from a thriving from metropolis called Akron, Ohio. Wow. <laughs> See, I, I I'm not surprised. We've done so many. We've done so many shows, different different bands that hailed from Ohio, one of the best rock and roll towns. Akron, Ohio. Right. Well, in, in, pretty in fertile. Yeah. Pretty for a lot of people. You know, you, you, a lot of people came yeah, out of yeah, Akron. So many great bands. I don't know uh, what it was. It might have uh, been uh, yep. they wanted to get out of Akron, but Akron was a. <laughs> but Akron was Everyone a. Either that or Flint, Michigan also. <laughs> oh, yeah. Flint. Yeah. But Akron's <laughs> a great one. town. That's my hometown. And, uh, 
I learned a lot there. I learned a lot uh, about music and uh, learned how to play there. And when I was 18, um, mm-hmm. I packed it up and moved to uh, beautiful Los Angeles. And uh... Now, is that uh, – I got to ask you, because one thing I didn't know until I started doing the research. Is that oh, that was my first gig. Um <laughs> Well, I was in L.A. How'd you get I was that? 18 years old. I was down to a, a one one can of Van de Kamp's pork and beans and a can of bumblebee tuna. And uh, I was get, getting ready to pack it in. I came to <laughs> Los Angeles with $500. My ma gave me and my Les Paul. I lived in South Central and mm-hmm. uh, in the day. And... Uh, Okay. Um, I took the bus everywhere, and I was just ready to pack it in, and I saw an audition at SIR Studios in L.A., which is still there. And um, I took the bus, went. There were 100 guitar players in line, and I said, I have to get this gig, and I got the gig. Right. <laughs> and I toured, uh, toured the world with the brothers. Wow for about a year, year and a half. And then it kind of all came to an end. And, uh, did you, did you, uh, record on the unbonded album? That was me. You'll see my unbonded. You'll see my name on there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's that actually, actually, it's a very interesting album. I'm, I'm, a fan of the Chambers, wow, obviously yeah. the time has come today and all that. Um, but I, I, th- this, this particular album, I, I wasn't that familiar with. The only track I knew was uh, your well, version of Reflections by the Supreme. Fantastic. Which that is, is fantastic. fantastic. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's the album starts with that song. And then I had only heard that. And then I heard, you know, some of the other tracks. And I'm like, damn, this is a good album. Well, uh, that was um, when I joined the brothers, uh, they were on Columbia. And then uh, that deal went to the wayside and they went with Avco Embassy. And here's the story. We had a cachet of kick ass, if I can say that, hard edged rock and roll planned for the next album. And then the producer came in and we did all these covers <laughs> and, uh, it kind of, uh, put a, oh, wow. uh, yeah, yeah. People knew the brothers wow. as, you know, when they started as the psychedelic black hard rock band, and then here they're doing uh, yeah. reflections <laughs> and the beach boys, uh, good vibrations. And, uh, good vibrations yeah yeah but i you know i i I think it's you know maybe it works for me because it's kind of like against type you know i wasn't expecting uh you know yeah no it's fine it's some great players on it and uh uh, the producer jimmy einer he had a vision and uh of course the vision uh drove us into the gutter no i'm kidding Anyway, but it was good. It was a good album. <laughs> hey, listen, listen. Yeah, I know, I know. But did you after you were done with? After you I went back. To, James, went back to L.A. Yeah, I went back work, to. LA what, what happened and, uh, after that? Just started working and producing and yeah. t- touring with some other acts. 
uh, as a side man and, you know, just another day at the office. And um, uh, it was fine. And um, right. anyways, uh, uh, around 19, boy, I can't even remember the date. It was like, it was like Eisenhower was president then. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> now Nick probably has <laughs> But uh, anyways, uh, I met the outlaws in Los Angeles at the record plant studios. I was in there on a session and they were there recording. And that's where I met the outlaws. We became great friends and I went and see him play one night and uh, it was great. I loved their energy. About a year later, they called me and said, Hey, can fly down to Tampa and jam with us. And they had an outgoing member at the time. And uh, I said, sure, yeah, man, I'll do it. Let's go. And uh, went there, rehearsed six days, flew to Boston Gardens, and I played my first show with with the Outlaws at Boston Gardens. Wow. Now, I just want to just kind of let the fans here that are listening, uh, just in case they don't know a little bit of the history here. Um, The Outlaws formed in 1967 and they were based out of tampa originally um the by 1975 they had an album called just self-titled the outlaws and they they had two tracks called green grass and high tide and there there goes another love song now those songs were were hits so you were kind of you know freddie you were kind of absolutely yeah i love their energy i love billy and huey uh, yeah. the two main guitar players. And uh, at that time, uh, you know, things were after their third album, things in that country rock uh, sort of genre were dissipating. And um, I mean, I was a born rocker. I mean, I was right. uh, total energy, one to go ahead, let's do it. But I, when I, so uh, Huey, Thomason, uh, rest his soul, uh, was one of those guys, but uh, he he could play a Chet Atkins song or Roy Clark song, then switch to Hendrix in two seconds. He, he was one of the wow. most accomplished, self-taught musicians, and I've worked with previous to a lot of musicians that I had met. And um, I said, let's kick it up a notch. Let's get rid of the small amps, get marshals, and let's start doing it a little bit. And uh, uh, they were totally responsive to that. Um, and um, the first album I did with them was um, Bring It Back Alive. And uh, we recorded about six different locations. Right. And it went gold real quick. Uh, the velocity on that album, and I'm not saying it, yeah. it was my direction. I just suggested and they were game, and we did it, and uh, bigger success started to happen once we became an arena band headlining. And it's all in the energy and what you convey from the stage. And uh, on recordings, we started working with British producers and uh, heavy metal producers. On our, on our tours were hard rock bands like UFO right. and Thin Lizzy. Rather than rather than the norm, you know, and um, right. wow. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, when you think of Southern rock, you think right. of, I guess, Leonard Skinner, Allman Brothers, bands like that. Um, but but you guys, what I always admired about the Outlaws is exactly what you just said about this hard rock edge. And um, unfortunately, I never did get to, to right, see them right. live, but I did listen to them a lot, you know, as a kid. Um, but but um, what, what I admired uh-huh. is, is when I was able to see clips live um over the years um it's like two different bands you have a a great studio sound a great hard edge but but that really shined through i think in the live shows maybe more than you could get off on an album you know what mike there were production thing maybe or whatever but they recorded live you see these guys these guys the kind of group you gotta see live yeah they had that energy and they were just like you were known for the live rock the house out and let's play that's what it was and nobody really ever captured uh on a production recording except for the one producer ron nevison on ghost riders he came the closest uh because he was a i mean he was ozzy the who the stone yes so i was just gonna yeah i was gonna say that i think uh, he was brilliant and uh maybe what you had he kind of knew what we were doing and he he was the closest right. uh, well the live album they captured bill simzik and Alan Blazik, but it was live, and uh, that kind of started the uh, the progression. You know that live album that that went gold real quick, and it pushed the first one gold, which I thought the first one was probably double platinum because of the success of Green Grass, but um, it wasn't, and uh, that's uh, uh, right. you never know why uh, it was it the record company management this uh, you never know what's going on. Here. You know, inter- interesting enough, we did a show last week on Grand Funk Railroad, and it was kind of a similar mm-hmm. situation with them. They had released their first album, and literally like four or five months later, that was in 69, they released the Red Album. And just by releasing right. that, it made that first album gold. Okay, so it pushed it, it pushed the singles, and it pushed the album itself. Isn't that great? Yeah, that's a very observant. It happens. Yeah, you guys. You can't explain. You guys are. You guys are like music uh, patriarchs. I'm telling you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. You know, it's why they call me Rock and Mike. I guess I don't know. Yeah, my partner here, Rob, yeah. he coined yeah, the phrase. Beautiful. Like beautiful. Right? Okay. <laughs> you do music. I said, right, I got to talk to this guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let, me, let me ask you, Freddie, about uh, Huey Thomason, okay? Because, um, uh, I mean, people that know music, they know who he is. Uh, and I think that he's, you know, people that are maybe on the fringes and not, you know, very into music and maybe even know the outlaws don't know about the contribution he was to that band. And, and can you can you go into it a little bit? Like, what was he like? What was he like? to work Huey with? was uh, one of the most extraordinary musicians, as I think I mentioned previously a little bit before and uh, self-taught and uh, his musical spectrum was so wide. I mean, during Soundcheck, we would break into Freedom by uh, Jimi Hendrix. And then in the dressing room, he'd be doing 
uh, Mark Knopfler, uh, Sultans of Swing, or uh, a Travis Picking uh, selection by, uh, you know, Chet Atkins or whatever. He was he was a natural, natural, natural uh, musician. His facility on the guitar was absolutely wide range. And um, uh, I respected him until this day, respect. And all the interviews I've done for this release, uh, it's pretty much the same rhetoric. Uh, He was absolutely one of the most talented uh, musicians that I knew, along with Billy. And uh, uh, plus, Huey was a wonderful writer, and we wrote together on a few things. And uh, but Billy was the same. He was uh, his his solos were like a uh, like turbo right. turbo solos, and his writing was uh, wonderful as well. But Huey was an yeah. extraordinary guy, and uh, besides all of that, just a wonderful human being. And uh, I've, o- I've, o- I've always heard that. He I've always well heard he was a fantastic yes. guy. Yes, across the board, very well respected, and um, till this day, um, just I uh, I miss him, and I miss Billy uh, as well, and um, you know, but it is what it is. Rock and roll uh, takes its toll on a uh, um, well more than we'd like to see, right? People. Every. Yeah, old and new, and well, just recently, yeah. uh, Edward Van Halen, he's gone. Chris Cornell's gone. This guy's gone. That's guy gone. And they, yeah. uh, people ask me, uh, why are you still living at 60-some years old? I'm 64 years old, and uh, I go, I'm too miserable to die. <laughs> always <keep, laughs> we'll always keep a little misery whether it's a woman on, or this <laughs> or that or or your sick dog if you're miserable you won't die oh, it's yeah. when you <laughs> it's when you win the 500 million dollar powerball in california oh then you die <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I wish I was. I wish I was in the city with you guys right now. I wish I was there. (laughs) Yeah, same here. And 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 uh, you know, we um, we have a bar on First Avenue called International. No kidding. Next time you guys own the bar, okay, definitely do that. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I, I don't know. I'm just a, a drunk, but uh, okay, but, I'm coming but, down. But Are you kidding me? The main bartender. Oh, you come there. Don't worry. I'll take, and then I can take you to the other place. Oh, I'm no, like no, a little definitely. bit of a local uh, celebrity in the neighborhood with bars. Yeah, Rob, oh, you're, Rob, Rob, yeah, Rob, you're Rob, like uh, uh, like the movie Escape like from New York, uh, a number one. <laughs> <laughs> the Duke of New He's York, a number one. He's the Duke. No, He's I, I lived. In, I lived in the city for twenty years, uh, uh, Midtown, Fifty Eighth and Sixth, and uh, it was wonderful. But then I had to get back to Los Angeles, where I'm talking okay. to you from now, and um, that's where I work. I mean, uh, I'm just a uh, uh, every day at the office, a lonely uh, 
a lonely uh, session guy uh, for the union on film and television, and that's what I do. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, no, look, it's, it's fine. It's, it's fine. No, right? that's what I did when I was 18 years old, too. Yeah, you play with some really extraordinary people. Right, like, right. I think Mike's going to touch into it, but you were with, like, uh, Barbara Streisand? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I played I acoustic guitar. It's a, here's how I, here's how we look at it. It's another day at the office. <laughs> and I, hey, what what was it? Did she did she pay you like any money? No, never saw her. Never met. Just, any, you know, never met any day. of the people. You go in. The producer never calls saw, you in. The, uh, yeah. You don't see. Uh, never met her. Anybody, you just go in and you do what uh, do what they want you to do. Uh, they give you the chart and you do you it. Do a little part. You're off yeah. to the rainbow uh, on sunset to uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, meet with your buddies and this and that and um, uh, the, all the other. Okay, okay, good, good. I've been, I've been to the rainbow. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been to the rainbow because. One of my all-time favorite oh, guys used friend. to hang out there, Mr. Lemmy Kilmeister. Oh, he was a good friend, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you know him? Big fan. And uh, and he was a big fan of the Outlaws. The Outlaws did a show with uh, – we were on a show. It was Ozzy, the Outlaws, and Lemmy, a motorhead. It was in Rockford, Illinois. I what just talked to a guy out of Chicago. Uh, he interviewed me, and he goes, I was at that show. Wow. It was Ozzy, the Blizzard of Oz, where, where Randy Rhodes was there. Oh. And th- then it was the <laughs> Outlaws, and then Lemmy and Motorhead wow. with my favorite guy, Phil, Filthy Animal Taylor. Open, they opened the show, and Lemmy was on the right. side of the Still stage Taylor, the yeah. whole time. And luckily, uh, he saw us, and then the album cover for uh, Aces of Spade, they were dressed like cowboy desperados. Yeah. I I was just going to ask you, that must have been... Either right he, before or right He credited right. us for that. Said those, which was the greatest pictures and album cover. Huey and I went, oh, my yeah. God, look at that. Have you seen the amazing box set? No. For the 40th anniversary of the album. Have, have, okay. Okay. You have to. I, I'm. I'm hoping to get it for Christmas. I stuck it on my Amazon wish list, and my wife usually will pay attention to that in December. But I I, I looked at this thing. It's a box wow. set. It looks like a board game, okay, like a Trivial Pursuit box, okay? And inside, you got the vinyl of it, you know, like, like remastered on like 180-gram vinyl. You got uh, um, a CD version of it remastered. Outtakes, another CD of outtakes. Uh, you have wow. I think there's a, a, a set of like seven inch singles. There's a bunch. There's a big. There's a big book. And to top it off, 
there's when you flip the inside of the, the, the cover, when you lift it off and flip it over, mm. the inside of the top cover, there's a board game. Mm. You could they give you dice. You, you know that I want to get that. And Isn't that a, awesome? There's another one that just came out, which was UFOs, Strangers in the Night. And it and it was like recorded in seven or eight different places, and yeah. every place is on a CD. Wow. And I want to get motor. No, I've seen that mo- Motorhead. Thing. Wow. No, absolutely. That's uh, interesting. And uh, I used to see Lemmy. I mean, he'd be at the Rainbow yeah. every night when he wasn't on tour. And uh, uh, he, right, the real deal. Yeah, that's the it's hard to find there. the real deal. Uh, that people who devote their entire existence, life, the dogs, the cats, the old ladies, the whatever, to rock and roll. And uh, he was one of those icons. I used to run into him in London, too. Uh, just wonderful. wonderful. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. No, I, I, I love Lemmy. I met him a couple of times. No in fact, kidding. The first time I ever drank a Carlsberg, he gave it to me. <laughs> yeah, I never drank Carlsberg in my life until he handed me one. I was like, "Oh, that was that was at the Ritz." At the, at the Ritz, I wasn't even old enough to drink. Mike, I told you the only time I saw Mullerhead was in well, WrestleMania well, where they played uh, Triple H's theme song. That's the same oh, thing. The only time I ever saw you told Ray Charles yeah, was in WrestleMania. Yeah. Oh, WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh yeah, I yeah, want, yeah. I oh, WrestleMania because they did that song, the game, and they were great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Freddie, we gotta we we gotta go into uh-huh. your you know the 1980 Outlaws album, Ghost Riders, because that you I mean that's the that's to me, uh, it's an epic album and an epic song, and I'd love if you could just give us a little story. Like, well, uh, first of all, uh, why'd you guys pick that? that? album was done at the entirety at the record plant in Los Angeles uh, when it was on third and La Cienica and uh, iconic studio, of course, the name, the marquee name. And uh, that's when we started with Ron Nevison and we were, uh, we were in the studio for about three, four months we spent an absorbent amount of money on the record. But uh, so Arista wasn't too pleased with uh, (laughs) the entire project. But once they started hearing tracks, they knew. They knew it was going to break. And uh, it was Huey who came up with the uh, the Outlaws version of Ghost Riders. And... um, and Nevison was there, and he went, yes. Now, keep in mind, uh, these were not the days of wine and roses. They were the days of lines and noses. So, uh, it's so, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I think half the album budget of 700000 half of it was dry. <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm not correct, but that's what Hollywood was then. It was just those days, you know. And uh, but anyway, so we recorded that. It sure. took us about seven, eight days 
just to get the bed track of Ghost Riders. And uh, normally it's a day or two days, especially for a touring band that plays together every night on stage. But this one was a special, uh, special track. And uh, Angel's Hide was a special track. Uh, The album just fell into place. And um, we had a great time with it. And, of course, there's ups, there's downs, there's stress, there's tears, there's there's this, there's that. But uh, all good product, that's what happens. And uh, uh, you'll – you get into it so emotionally and artistically – Anyways, we finally finished the album. We had to finish it in New York at Media Sound, which is no longer uh, in the city. Uh, but uh, uh, anyways, it was uh, – and somebody else mixed the album. Ron had fell out and had another project. So anyways, it was a huge success. Um, and uh, uh, But Huey and Ron Nevison came up with the idea. Well, am I wrong? I believe it was. Well, listen, let me tell you guys something, right? As you're sitting down in the West Village on Bleecker, that song, by the time we had recorded it, had been (laughs) recorded 17 times. That that was then. And and, um, everybody from Johnny Cash to Chet Atkins to Roy Clark to this to that. The writer was Stan Jones. Stan Jones, and he wrote it for the Disney movie Ghost Riders in the Sky. (laughs) At 50-something, and I was the lead. I was the guy that that was the head of the wagon train. So now I'm in 92. Uh, But anyways, uh, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) well, I'm 92 in musician's years. I'm 63 (laughs) in uh, my actual age, but musician's years like a dog. (laughs) So So anyways, uh, yeah, we, uh, (laughs) anyways, we finished it in the city at uh, media and uh, it came out and we, I mean, we'd record an album that we go back on tour in two days, you know? So. Yeah. Well, during that time, uh, I guess uh, 1980, Ghost Riders came out. 1981 was when you did the show in Germany at the Rock Palast. Uh, That that's what that's what you're uh, that's what's coming out now is the Rock Palast. That show. show. uh, Uh, What do what do you remember about that show? You know, it was. uh, I mean, we did thousands of shows, and we did thousands of big shows. uh, supporting other like the Stones at Anaheim for two days and the dead in uh, Salem, Oregon for uh, two days and um, JFK stadium in Philly, 110,000 people. But this one, this one, wow. they all stick out. Of course, those shows stick out, but uh, this one was uh, about two hours outside of Frankfurt, Germany. And we uh, flew into Frankfurt. We rehearsed for a day, one day. And we flew out of, uh, I think, Daytona. 
we're we were on tour. We flew out of Daytona. We got in. We had the Who is uh, road crew with us. We we had the Who's uh, the Who's gear with us. And the next day, well, on the show was Thin Lizzy, who are great friends of ours, and um, wow. uh, wonderful Phil and Scotty Gorham and the great band Gary great Moore, band. and uh, they were on the show. And uh, we next day we got on the the Mienzerbub, which are the buses in uh, Germany, drove through the Rhine Valley. Gorgeous, 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 and got to Lorelei, one of the most beautiful natural amphitheaters I've ever seen, similar to Red Rocks, Denver. I don't know if you guys have been there, uh, but we played. You've seen it. You've seen it. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of it, but I've never I've been, been there. Okay. All right. Very good. Yes. And uh, when you went, I know the mayor gave you the key for the city. I can tell you that. But uh, <laughs> when, when I went, I actually went to see the Jesuits <laughs> to the Bible. Oh, good reason to go. Yeah. <laughs> so in any event, we get there to Lorelei. We drive up the hill. And uh, it was on the um, overlooking the Rhine River and the Rhine Valley. It was like a tapestry. And we get off the bus and there's Phil Lynott and Scotty Gorham. They uh, welcomed us and hugged us. And um, uh, they had toured with us in the States, uh, Cape Cod Coliseum, uh, Memorial Day, about a year before, a year and a half before. And uh, a few other dates, New Haven, I think, Coliseum. And um, they were good friends. And they they also had that twin guitar attack, if you know. Uh, it's it's funny how the British bands, yes, like yes. Lemmy and uh, uh, Bon Scott. Bon Scott stood on the side of the stage at the Meadowlands Stadium uh, uh, and watched our whole set one summer. And he wanted to do, and he had a Confederate uh, flag uh, buckle belt on. <laughs> uh, he wa- he wanted to do a Southern Rock album. Yeah, he used to win. Amazing how the people from over the ocean went to. Uh, he wanted to do a Southern Rock album. He told me that, and then let me the same thing. And the, but anyways, uh, and uh, we played the hmm. set, and they recorded it, and uh, a Rock Palace. And uh, primitive, uh, two two track stereo mix from the right. board, and it looks like they had a three switch camera shoot for the visual, and uh, you know there's hiccups, mm-hmm. but from uh, but it came through. The outlaws came through uh, as far as the energy level and the velocity level and. The crowd level yeah. was probably about 18,000 people there. A lot of U.S. servicemen. Uh, whenever you play in Germany, there's bases everywhere. So they come out. And uh, it was a wonderful time, really, and uh, memorable in, uh, uh, in my thought banks. Uh, um, and uh, afterwards, we drove back to Frankfurt. Then Lizzie followed, and we partied all night in this bar cookies in Frankfurt till like four or five in the morning. I think the next day we're, 
we're off to <laughs> Switzerland the next morning. We all looked like we were green. And, uh, yeah, right, 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 right. So, <laughs> like the Walking Dead. <laughs> I'm with you, bro. I'm with exactly. you, brother. I'm with exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> Falling all over each other. <laughs> All right, so Freddie, now that was 1981, but um, by by 1982, well, uh, we lost our record deal, was, and was ending. Uh, we what lost Billy then? Jones; uh, he had departed. We lost Monty Yoho, the second drummer, and um, it was just Huey and I and a pickup bass player uh, Rick Kua, um, and he, he did two albums with us, and it was Dave Dix on drums right. who was there from the interim. And um, things started to change in the whole, not just with the band, but the whole climate of the industry and the secular FM radio and the secular radio and this and that. And uh, uh, we had lost our record deal with Clive Davis, Arista Records, due to management or whatever, whatever. Um, But uh, we'd it pretty much run its course. And... um, uh, I didn't want to go backwards uh, because of all the great gigs, memories, the gold albums, so on and so forth. And uh, Huey and I uh, got together. And although he continued with the, it was his band and, and his, and I wrote a song with him uh, for a soldier of fortune. Uh, yeah. And we stayed in touch. And, uh, but I was, I, went back to Los Angeles and just resumed what I was doing. I produced several records and, uh, um, worked with a group, uh, um, for two albums that I produced called the gods. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I really wanted to ask you about next, Freddie is, is the gods. Okay. Because, uh, I'm a fan, and uh, oh, yeah. Eric Moore is a, is, was, and sadly he passed away last year. He was a, a, a great front man and, and you know, just a, a, yes. an amazing rock and roll guy. Another guy that you could say gave his, his life, heart and soul and dogs and cats to rock and roll. What was well, like? I, 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 I produced the a, albums, and I wasn't supposed to right? be in the band, but uh, one of the guitar uh, players became uh, ill. Eric and I were in London, and there were dates. There were shows once back in the states, and um, right. we got back to the states. And uh, I jumped in the band. I had to jump in the band for about six months. And uh, one of our first uh, tours was opening for Metallica on their Master of Puppets tour. Wow. And uh, we started in Dallas, Texas, right. and Dallas, Texas, and I had never seen in an audience the unbridled carnage that I saw that evening for that group, Metallica. <laughs> yes. yes, that was the ori- that was the original lineup with uh, with Cliff with Cliff Burton on bass. I I did see them on that tour because they. At one leg of that tour, they were opening for Ozzy, and I saw them at Jones. Okay, on at Jones Beach. Uh, I'm trying to think, Nassau so, Coliseum, I think it was. 
Um, yeah, and it was amazing. And that was the that's the I saw Metallica two times. It was it was then, and then I saw them a couple of years later when they were doing Injustice for All, and and then they had the diff, the Jason, the different bass player. Oh. But that well, lineup this Master of Puppets, incredible. Uh, the first couple albums, of course, uh, of course, Ride the Lightning, this and that, so on and so forth. And I saw them years before mm-hmm. at the Starwood in Los Angeles, and. This was the interim of the Los Angeles hair metal. Uh, Okay, Uh, fine, fine. I enjoy it. Hair metal band. uh, uh, But uh, they were so out of the pocket that uh, nobody really understood uh, what they were doing. Um, uh, So they moved. They moved up to the Bay Area and... uh, Mustaine was in the band then. Yeah. Yeah, he was in the band then. I go, you know, there's something right, to this. Before you had and um, I became great friends with them, and uh, uh, they moved, and lo and behold, and I told people after that tour, I said, this is going to be the biggest band in the world. And they go, you're crazy. What are you on? And... Um, Take, a, take another uh, pill. They didn't book. I, I called it, or I think it was right on the money. You called it, you, you <laughs> called it good, though. Uh, you called it good. Uh, but they are, I think, still to this day. And uh, um, but, I, uh, but then we opened for them uh, starting in Dallas and went to Houston and uh, this and that. But I'd never seen a crowd quite like this. Uh, you lose – perspective sometime <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah you know what it when i saw metallic oh, yeah. was the black album oh. and they did a madison square garden show and they blew that had it was to be insane nuts. it was insane it was i went with a bunch of people and yeah. i think we lost our minds <laughs> for like three hours <laughs> Yeah, they were rock, and they man. play for that. They, they, they play like for three hours too. They play around, shows. and they were playing for each corner of the audience. And it was it was an incredible. It was loud. It was great. It was fantastic. And it was the well, you know, the all the ingredients were there. Them, their hunger, their management, who was Q Prime, still Cliff Bernstein. Everything was in line. Everything it was, but of course, it starts with with them. Uh, uh, Cliff Burton was the most wonderful guy that I'd ever met. And um, they were all great guys, but Cliff was just a sincere, right. wonderful cat. And that's who does it. <laughs> I was sick when I uh, heard about him passing overseas. And then, but Jason did a good job too. And uh, did some classics. Well, the, I think probably their biggest album to date. Uh, uh, when uh, Jason was in the band, and uh, you know, it just uh, I, I know I've seen it. I always take in information, and there's some of the information I took in a long time ago. And uh, but, anyways, that's uh, the gods and produced two albums for them, and uh, right, uh, it was a great experience. Then they were able to get a replacement and. 
back to Los Angeles, back in the studios. Just another, you know, it's like you would go to work. Uh, that's what I do. I just. Well, you go to work, like if you work at a Seven uh, Eleven, you go to work, work. <laughs> and uh, since since I was a young yeah, kid, just watch, so yeah, I mean, you 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 play music. That's, that's what you the do every day. That's your job. Yeah, yeah. Um, another band I wanted to 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 pick your brain about, if you remember oh. working with them, because I I I love these guys. I used to see them all the time. Was Wonderful. Raging Slab. Uh, I had no idea you had a connection with them. Um, I used to, I used to see them um, right. at a little club on Third Avenue called the Continental. You might remember it. Um, they used to play every couple months. They were around, and they were so different. They would come mm-hmm. in. You know, they had the Southern rock thing going. Nobody was doing that anymore in like '89. Okay, not really, and not in the small clubs. You know, and so they would they were playing the small clubs. And they just had, I mean, they everybody liked them. You know who was a big fan of Raging Slab? And I oh, think he okay. wanted to okay. work with them, but I don't think he ever did. Was Joey Ramon? Wow. Yeah, I saw Joey Ramon probably at every well, Raging Slab. Uh, you know, I saw. They, I, were, yeah, saw I produced at least um, seven or eight times. Well, two things for them. I produced a Westwood One live concert for them uh, from the Roxy in LA. Produced that. Uh, and then I produced a one right. film track for them for Polygram. And and they were one of those Bowery bands, man. Uh, there was there was another okay. one who <laughs> with that was a yeah. tremendous yeah. Uh, New York City Bowery band. And that was Circus of Power. Do you remember them? Yeah. Wow. I, I, I wow. was a big fan. I knew the singer Alex a little bit because I, right. I, when, I, when, I, when they were big, uh, when they had the song Motor, and that was off the first album, and then the second album, uh, the second album, Vices, I was living on the Lower East Side. I used to see Alex walking his dog on Houston Street like every morning when I was walking to work. And we just used to talk to each other once in a while and at the shows, too. And uh, they were a great band. They still yeah. They still throwing out no kidding here well uh, play here and yeah, they, not as much they were uh, they were friends but they were kind of a, they were both on rca yeah, records great band and uh uh who was the girl who signed them wendy something i remember her right uh but anyways um uh, i remember her because of her tight blue jeans so in any event but anyway but um well, yeah. Well, you got to take record executives. <laughs> always, always you a reason know, to remember. You, know, you take them for a grain of salt. But, uh, anyways, uh, yeah, we were at. Um, <laughs> ironically, we were at the Hip Factory, the Hip Factory on Fifty Fourth Uptown, and we were in from midnight until eight in the morning. That's when we were recording, and um, on this film track. We redid a Lee Michaels thing. Do you know what I mean? That's what the film company wanted. And and we did it. And one night, the slab, I mean, Greg and uh, oh, the girl, Alicia, uh, the slide player, oh, wonderful. Uh, and Alicia, she invited yeah, John Popper down 
And uh, John Popper came down yeah. at like four in the morning, <laughs> wow. and he blew a harp wow. solo on this song that would absolutely. <laughs> till this day, I just can't fathom. Uh, at four in the morning, uh, and uh, he fell to his knees and started playing. Um, but yeah, we produced that in New York City, and uh, I mixed the stuff in New York City yeah. from Westwood One. And I always loved that group. I just loved them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a band I miss. Uh, when they when they started, um, I mean, I remember seeing them in the clubs, and then uh, right. MTV was starting to pick up on them a little bit. Their song uh, "Don't Dog Me Around." They had a video for that, and that was that was starting to get played. And then it just, I don't know. They, they a wonderful, really Greg Schrenka, uh, wonderful, wonder. I enjoyed working with them so much. And uh, uh, they were, uh, we recorded the film track from scratch. And they were on, they were on it, man. We were, we were rehearsing up in Queens. And um, then we recorded wow. it from scratch at the Hit Factory, wow. which is also no longer in the city. They moved. Couldn't take it. Couldn't take the rents or this or that. Nope, they bought nope. criteria in uh, where I've worked since uh, in Miami, North Miami yeah. uh, Beach. Uh, but uh, it was that was a nice experience. It, it really was working with those guys. And um, uh, but uh, Circus of Power. Well, what I was going to say is Circus of Power was <laughs> in session upstairs in another studio with the British uh, producer, Gary Lyons, and they would always come down and wow. see what's going on. <laughs> They'd always stick their head in. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were, you know, they were contemporaries, Raging Slayer. Probably. And, and, uh, and Circus of Power. I saw them. I might have seen them on the same bill. I remember, I, I, you know what? There was a show. You know what? Now that I remember, there was a show in '88 that Joey Ramone put on at the at the Ritz where he was spotlighting wow. the bands, and it was called the, the Joey Ramone presents the Circus of the Perverse. Uh, oh, hold on a second, I lost my microphone here. And he, uh, wow, he Circus of Power. No, I love, I loved the both bands. A tremendous that was an amazing show. Uh, Yep. Yeah, yeah. All right, Freddie. Let me ask you too. Uh, flash forward a little bit, a little bit closer to now. You have a couple of lineups here: Freddie Salem and the Lone Wolf, Freddie Salem and the Wildcats. Oh well, uh, the Wildcats uh, was uh, a solo album I did for CBS, uh, Columbia, uh, and that was like um, in '83, '84, I think. That was them, but they re they re released it. Now, uh, no, they've re released it. Oh. Uh, Rock Candy out of London oh, released okay. it again, uh, uh, just just a short while ago. And then um, Lone Wolf, Freddie Salem and Lone Wolf is my newest project. Right, it's three years in the making. The album, uh, and um, it'll be out in June. It'll be out on a major label. A Europe, Europe, and Europe first, and uh, it's a hard, hard okay. edge 
Southern rock conceptual album. And I've had the best wow. of the best. Uh, I've recorded it in New York. Who do you have playing with you? At the um, at New York City at the, well, it was Avatar. Now it's the Power Station, uh, 43rd, famous studio. London, recorded in London, but it's been bits, bits and pieces of different things. And I've got some great players slated and that have played on it. Uh, Tony Franklin, uh, the British bass player from The Firm and Blue Murder and countless other uh, British bass player and so on and so forth. Some wonderful, wonderful players. Uh, uh, Denny Fongheiser on drums, Los Angeles, big from heart and uh, just, just some seasoned, seasoned guys, which, I, which I did on my Wildcats album as well. I had the best we could find that would relate to the music, but this new album, I think you'll like it. Right. A uh, June in June. We'll, we'll do, we'll do another interview. When is it and, coming out? Uh, well, you can interview me in the next year. private booth from Scores. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well, you, you, well, listen, that sounds good. Okay. And, uh, and actually, we did, the other day we did an interview with Glenn Matlock oh, wow. from the Sex Pistols. And he did, <laughs> he did the interview from his Jaguar because he was stuck in traffic in London. So, <laughs> yeah, let's do scores. All three of us so, will enjoy. We might as well do these and, interviews. Um, some crazy when it opens again. Who knows when anything's going to open? Uh, Definitely. Yeah, that's what's crazy. <clears throat> they just uh, we just got news yeah. today yeah. that the Cuomo, our governor, uh, is shutting uh, things uh, down at ten o'clock every night. Not- so things are things are rolling back a little bit. It's not good. Yeah. Um, well, R- Freddie, let me ask you about uh, finally about the. the it's the out now. Just came out. Live you can get it on Amazon. When um, is it coming out? It's put out by MIG out of Hanover, Germany, which is a division okay. of SVP Records and Steamhammer, uh, two of the biggest independent metal hard rock la- uh, labels in Europe. And um, but uh, I would guess in the states. Uh, uh, you know, Amazon would probably be there. You can find it on anything if you're computer savvy. Um, yeah, I found it on okay. Apple. Apple got the whole there you have it. Uh, and uh, so uh, oh, okay. with this day and age, you can probably find it, uh, find it anywhere for purchase or download or whatever. But it's a nice package, it's a audio CD and an additional DVD. So you got two discs and um, you have a. That's awesome. Yeah. I wrote all the liner notes and there's great got, pictures. Got a little book or and uh, some it's a pretty nice yeah. package. People are enjoying oh, it wow. so far. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, Freddie Salem, I want to thank you very much for coming on. 
You've been a fantastic. No, we're gone. Guest. We're and gone. We're, we're, gone. we're gone. We're gone. We're gone. And I appreciate, I appreciate you guys so much. And a great talking to you as well. Wonderful. And fantastic. And when the uh, when the next album yeah, comes yeah. in June, right, well, uh, Freddie Salem. Well, we're going to have a drink before then. I'll have again if you want to the talk about rock it. god and, uh, of the Bay no Area, Michael Bramble. Hook us up, and we're we're gonna have a we're gonna have a. <laughs> <laughs> My, Mike's been, Mike's been I call him the patriarch of all rock that, uh, of the of, very much of, of the that. North Bay. But I, listen, <laughs> thank you so much. I love you guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> Hey, thank you, Freddie, for thank doing you. this. Like, thank you, dude, I, I was geeking out when I heard your voice, and then, you know, you're a legend. <laughs> I appreciate a legend, that. Man. I appreciate it. And uh, <laughs> I, let's touch base soon, yes, for sure. Are. All right. Have a good – move on to the international now. Is it – oh, no, you still got 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! It's, it's not the yeah, Friday. Yeah, we, we got to run. Run. <laughs> <laughs> You got you got the keys to the place. I'm with you, brother. <laughs> That's okay, true. Yeah. I love you guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, <laughs> have a good one. Bye bye. Cheers. Have a good one, man. All right, be good, Freddie. 